Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. and welcome back to Leaving Hillsong. We had a break here for a couple of weeks and I'm so glad that you're back with us. Nothing major, just life getting in the way of making podcasts. And today I'm joined by Lisa, who I've known through different networks for a while, but again, haven't sat down with her and heard her full story. And well, there's just so much to it as you're here. I will mention to you that we discussed the Royal Commission and child sexual abuse as Lisa is a survivor and an advocate of survivors. So just letting you know, Lisa's been married for over 25 years, I think, and she has five kids. So she brings a very maternal influence to this chat today and I hope you'll enjoy it. It's called A Minor Thing. I've known you, Lisa, through, I guess, Facebook networks and social media and yeah, um, yeah, various like church abuse sites and issues and activism well, and found out that you'd also been involved in an AOG, Hillsong-related church, and thought we'd find out a bit more. So the old question, how did you end up in an AOG church? Oh. I end up in an AOG church originally because I had been in and out of psychiatric wards because of child abuse and I always had a faith. I'd never been to a church ever in my life and I'd always, yeah, I just believed in Jesus, I'll just say that. And then we had a good friend who happened to be a pastor and I didn't want to go back to hospital, so he came over and just, he just 
him and his family just kept hanging out with us and we're still very close with them. Um, and the church just happened to be that they were going to literally five minutes from where we lived. Sorry, by we at, at this point? My husband and I. Okay. And my children, they were little. Yes. And then, so I was 26. I'm now 47, obviously. Yep. So, yeah, we just started going, got very involved and, you know, saw all the all the spiritual stuff, went down that deliverance kind of road, got really heavily involved in that myself. What do you mean by deliverance? Because of the abuse that I went through. It was demonic, put it that way. Like uh, satanic ritual, I'll say it that way. Yeah. Some people have heard of that. But anyway, we stayed in that church for seven years. So that was like a home for us because we didn't have any other family because I cut off all my family. Why why did you cut off your family? Because of the, they were my abusers, basically. Wasn't it? No, not, not because of the church. That was previous. Yep. Um, the church actually probably, um, that's probably why I went head, head first into it so quickly because you get aunties, uncles, mums and father, the figures that you're just wanting so badly and everyone, well, I thought, oh, they're all perfect because they're Christians. I was so, so naive. Of course, we're not all perfect. I just kept bumping into this woman who was younger than me through church things and they just moved up to the Gold Coast from Hillsong and they'd been youth pastors at Hillsong and I started going to a couple of her meetings which it was really small and we just clicked and she had little kids, I had little kids so it just, you know, went from there. I got in big trouble from my church for going to another church. I was called a Jezebel. I was called all sorts of names. That was quite traumatic. Okay. Um, What were the big differences? The similar churches or it was a... Yeah, it was was AOG back then because, you know, now it's ACC. But I think our church was, it was, it's been around a longer, a lot like... I know at that point probably 25 years so very very like male dominated leadership so it felt like I was back in my family my birth family like oh so it's conditional yeah so then I kind of was like no no one tells me what to do that's my personality and I was like if I want to go to another church I don't need permission but apparently that was the thing. You need permission from the head pastor who we were quite close to to go to another church. And I was like, what the, no, this is not right for me. Anyway, and then they, you know, brought us in and said, we've done all this stuff for you and for me personally. We've looked after you. Um, no one's going to look after you like we have. And that's when I started to see, really see what, was going on and other you know that was around the corner just a female pastor I'd never seen a female pastor really preach or anything like that so that was all very like wow 
it was well I was young and and it was refreshing and I was like oh it just felt like not heavy and rules and and then we all I am if I do something I do it full on so that's same thing here same so this church that we went to so it was um not a Hillsong church as such but they were definitely affiliated because they their pastor was Brian Houston still that's the way they operated okay I don't think I'll name the church but it was on the Gold Coast yeah it quickly became very popular I guess because they were young you know we were told oh you're just going there because they're young I was like no I'm going there because I'm not being abused (laughs) you know it's nice and fresh and people my age or um what was your relationship because if you'd been friends with those people for seven years what was that like once you'd moved churches it was really hard because the main head like the head head pastor so our church was very much under Hillsong as well so that AOG church too all the pastors had to go to the the conferences we had to have all the Hillsong music so when we had like a meeting with him to just say thank you, he just slammed me so hard and separated. It was like Shane was in the room, but he wasn't. He just, and then he, he basically threatened my husband with his job. He said, if you go to this church and because Shane, my husband was working there doing um, like after school care, I guess that's okay. what you call it. He's yeah. a teacher, right? He's the nicest guy, like he would never do it. He says, if you ever tell people, like more or less, you know, take people from our church, more or less you won't have a job. Yeah. I didn't there and just was in awe because I'd never seen that side before. And the other pastor who, him and his wife, who had basically taken us there under their wing, they were like a mum and a father to us. It was awkward. It's not now everything's fine now we're still close with them but it was you know bumpy because they were indoctrinated as well so it was just like you do this or you're out I can't really remember I think I because it was so traumatic I just cut and left (laughs) but uh, the Gold Coast is small so you bump into people they ignore you they kind of look through you that's what happened yeah yeah so it was pretty traumatic and I guess it was Going to another church probably helped at that point because I didn't, I mean, I cried buckets of tears and I grieved. I think I really grieved that they would treat us like that. And anyway, so the new pastors, they had four daughters, four little girls, trendy, you know, cool. They had apparently, like, because I got to know her on like a friendship level before she was kind of like a pastor to me. That's how she drew people to her because she's very charismatic and friendly. Like everyone actually came because she was a great preacher and her husband was more not the best. So there was like a 1,000 people within, I don't know, they'd been there for maybe a year, so they'd had a 1,000 people. So that was off a lot of the churches because they're like, oh, here's these new Hillsong people coming, taking all our people. And I was like, oh, God, people have got their own mind and choice to go wherever they want. They had their own name, but they were still, I believe Hillsong helped start them up, definitely. And they had come from Hillsong. 
Because we saw the video of them being, what do you call it? Released, is it? Released, thank you. Deliberately blocked out the language, Christian yeah, the mem- language. The memory is a funny thing. They used to play that on the big screen and say, oh, you know, you know, here's Brian, you know, praying over us because we were amazing youth leaders and we had over 10,000 youth under us. And so that drew a lot of people who were just nosy, I guess, just and liked Hillsong. The other thing that drew myself and my husband, they don't do tithing messages. It's really weird. Or love offering and all that kind of stuff. That's really weird. Didn't do them at all? No. No offering at all. Okay. That was for the first six months and then it just slowly started to trickle in. Right. Um, Right. Yeah. At the end. Gosh, there's so much. So we were there for seven years too. I've only been at two churches. So so then, you know, you start to see the same pattern arise. They're younger. They're just different. They're using the Hillsong language. I'd never heard of an intern. I'm like, whoa, this is different. There's all these, you know, lots of young, you know, young, young people. They signed up for 12 months to serve. You serve God for a year. That was what it was called. Okay. As an intern, yep. But what they did... Like I had a lot of the younger girls, you know, what was I was probably in my early 30s and I was just drawn to the younger ones who I could see were being basically abused. And I'd be like, you know, you don't have to do that. Most of them were at like uni or working and, yeah, and they'd be looking after the kid, like babies, her babies, like they were babies. So she'd be up preaching and just had newborn babies. So... The thing was, you have a baby, you go to church like three or four days later after you've had the baby. That was a thing. It's like, look at me. I've got, I'm I'm at church. I'm not missing church, even though I've had a baby. I just found that really strange as a mother of five. But it was just, it was just like nothing I'd ever seen, I guess, compared to the other one. It was a well-oiled machine. I thought they've They've done this before. They know what they're doing. You know, I'd see the pastor, the male pastor. He was very uh, egotistical kind of dude who come across very nice and kind and all that. He wouldn't drive his own car. He'd have the young ones, you know, the interns drive him. And I remember going outside and I saw him just roasting this young guy because he got the wrong coffee. This is when I was starting to wake up. And the coffee so, is the thing. Coffee keeps coming up as an important thing in this place. If you were the intern for the, the pastor, you were the coolest person. Um, and then they had all the other little minions, you know, that did all the house cleaning and the cleaning the toilets and putting up Christmas trees, cleaning their pools for free So and babysitting the children. It was just a big eye-opener for me. I'm a helicopter parent, so... <laughs> my female pastor would be like oh do you want to let the girls come and stay over my girls I'm like no and I Lisa I don't think that's helicoptering at all there there seems to be so much of this free babysitting going around and it's a you know made me ask a lot of questions about how those kids have ended up because they've been fielded out a lot of the time from nannies to babysitters to volunteers and creches and visiting churches and Sunday schools it's it's a real concern yeah 
it's like watching someone being abused and you doing nothing. And I felt like I was not an enabler, but just like, I can't watch this anymore. This isn't okay. Because yeah. I was, I loved her girls, her daughters deeply. Like I'd have them at my house anytime, but I didn't want them traipsing around with, you know, who knows who. There'd have to be a lot of pastors' kids out there who have ended oh. up in, in bad situations. It's just yeah. got to be. A, it's epidemic, yeah. this babysitting volunteer yeah. thing. I felt like I was the outsider because I didn't let, I was such a people pleaser at that time and I, it was so hard. I was like, no, I just can't. I didn't have an answer. It was just a no. You would get the silent treatment for a little bit. You know, I, I went to everything. I was involved in everything. I was in prayer, like I was part of a prayer group. I led groups where they um, women had been sexually abused. So I did all that kind of stuff and I loved it. And then you just start to see things. Discerning, that's the, that's the Christian word. I just started to see stuff like, you know, people would be in the green room, you know, she had to have it, someone do her makeup and she had to have that all done. Her husband would be like, he's my hot wife and all that kind of stuff started happening. And me and my husband would just sit there and go, whoa, can we not? Because we know what's going behind the, on, behind the scenes. We know that that's not how he treats her. He treats her like, um, <clears throat> so yeah, so this is over the seven year period. So we get to 2014. I actually had a, um, my last child in that church, number five. I can't remember how old she was, but she just hated going to kids' church. And then eventually all my kids are like, no, nah, we're not going to kids' church. We hate it. They hated it. And I thought, mm, that's not, there's something not right. So they would stay in the service with us. So something must and, have changed there then. Yeah. Because had they liked it before? Maybe because they were getting older, but they just said, Mum, we don't learn anything. It's just it's just playing games and I, and I was starting to feeling uncomfortable about it as well I was just like I don't feel like I want to put my kids in there like and I'd have people come up to me and say Lisa because you look like this and the way you dress and that that's why you're in all the groups I'm like huh? well I was oblivious I thought I was just being me just because I love helping people and I love people but and it then looked I, like what and dress like what Oh, because I didn't, you know, I dressed a certain way, like like Hillsong people apparently. I didn't even know. I was like, I don't know, is there a dress code? Apparently there was. Like, you can laugh about it now, but I didn't realise that people were like, that was a thing. Other people who weren't like that were feeling left out because no Very one. Very much you know, a thing, yes. They weren't getting the attention. Thing, yeah. Probably a year before it all went to crap was we were asked if we wanted to pastor a church in LA, meet my husband and myself. So he did Bible college. Okay. Yeah, so that was all pretty full on. And then she started saying to me, I oh know we just have little conversations that just, you know, some things just stick out. And she said, oh, we're not doing anything right now because we're just going to be, we're just tracking you and Shane, right? So, yeah, tracking us. Ooh, okay. I remember going home and going, what the? Tracking me? I'm a grown woman with five children and a husband. 
really interesting word, isn't it? It really triggered me. Mm. And I and it was like, okay, now I see you. I see you. I see who you are. I couldn't unsee that. And that word just played over and over in my mind. And I was like, this is not good. You know, we did have like a system just like Hillsong has, you know, kingdom givers and all that. Like you pay $1,000 and then $5,000 and then $10,000. What do you get with those things? You get to go on holidays with the pastors. Oh. And most of the people who were the $10,000 givers were the dodgiest, dodgiest ever. <laughs> like I'd tell her, I'd say, I don't know what you're doing. They're dodgy ads because it's money. Mm. That year, I started feeling sick, literally just in my stomach every time I was going to church. And I knew something was going on, but I couldn't put a finger on it. They were slowly, like, distancing themselves away from people, but then still putting on the, you know, the smile and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, then Brian Houston, like, I never really, I've been to, I think I've been to one or two conferences. I've been to colour once during that time and then I went to the actual big conference and I just did not like him. I just thought he was arrogant and, yeah, and people were like, oh, but he's, you know, you just got to get past that. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Uh, mm, how, do you, how do you get how do you get past that yeah and he just irritated me then we heard through our friends who who became pastors under our pastors everyone's a pastor in Hillsong Church you just get called a pastor even if you never like got the certificate apparently so but they were and they were young and we got along really well with them and they, we became great friends with them and um, slowly but short, surely um, everything was their fault, money, you know, not enough people coming. And then next minute there was rumours, gossip, 
that they'd gone over to Canada, they're having a sabbatical. They used to have them nearly every three months, I think, and we all paid for it. They went to Canada, came back, and were told that God told us we've got to go to Canada. But when we were at this church, he had a t- he had a plan plan that you know there's going to be many campuses and all this kind of stuff and we tried that and it failed and now all of a sudden they're going to Canada and these are the pastors that were to IC so the not no main. no head ones the main ones okay they'd gone for their sabbatical and the the second in charge ones were you know they'd look after the church while they were away kind of thing and then okay. when the in pastors got back they'd cop all the stuff if nothing you know not enough people came or money and we had car lengths come just before they left which was kind of weird it started yeah we're going in like four weeks I was like every time I go to church I was like feeling physically ill and I think it was just probably me feeling stuff that was going on I guess I don't know and so I spent most of my time in the bathroom instead of in the service. That's terrible. That's real and it's terrible. Yeah, and I was like, didn't really question it, for, which is strange because, that, and that's how I knew, I mean, I look back now, that's how I knew it was a cult. What? I've gone from one cult to another cult. Okay, so, so how did you know because of becoming physically sick? That's how my body just responds had it done that the last time? Yeah, and when I, well, all through my life at different right. times. Link's definitely a mess. And so, okay, so now they're having their going away party, they're leaving, there's tears and there's confusion and there's like, okay, they're going. So they're gone. And then um, we got him and his wife, Steve, like Steve, I can't, I'm not sure can't think of him but they've gone they've disappeared and then Brisbane guy comes doesn't matter he's an older guy him and his wife yeah they came and gave us what we felt like a lecture that the church isn't running well and it was really quite in your face it was traumatic everything was trauma at that time because I I had envisioned for myself and my family that that was just where we were going to be forever. Like my kids are growing up here, you know, that's it. So we never, ever thought the main pastor was always like, we're going to have churches all around the world. It was, yeah, it was just a shock. And betrayal, I guess, was what we felt, I felt. My husband dealt with it differently to me. He was... I don't think it's men just do. He just was kind of like, oh, well, whatever. I was like, no, I'm devastated. Or perhaps men find it more difficult to talk about all of that relationship, relational stuff. It's massive. It's massive. So I felt really alone because I thought, am I going crazy? Like this isn't normal and this isn't okay. To just tell your, especially people who've been there for day one, to, to, to give them this false hope that we are going to build this, this, this and this 
and then you're like, oh, you've gone on a holiday, come back, God's called us to Canada. So that was awkward. And we have that guy from Brisbane come and then we had started getting the worship team would get up and do their three, you know, how many songs they do. And then we'd have to scream and Brian Houston would be our, you know, he was our pastor. Okay. So, and that had not happened before? No. He, he, he came once in person that I recall. Anyone who's listening and has done church, you madly get your kids ready early in the morning. Everyone's got to look perfect in my head. We're always running late. You always have a fight in the car on the way to church. So we get there and I, I remember I was sitting up the back, which we always, we used to have stickers for our names because we were like, the you know, the cool people. This was before Brian came. So we didn't get the stickers anymore, Tan. <laughs> I took the stickers away. I just had this thing. I felt like really I was getting sicker and sicker and I was like, why am I sitting here watching this man on a screen? And he what and he did allude to like he saved our church from ruin, that my pastors were in a lot of debt and that they had helped them. Because okay. yeah, I I don't know if it was the day he came in person. It probably was. He was talking about the Royal Commission. One of my abusers is my my biological dad. Like that wasn't, I'd never, I've never hidden that. That was gone, you know, I'd done a statement and stuff like that. So I had friends who knew about that. I'm sorry um, to I, hear that. Yeah. My previous, thank you. My, so very passionate about obviously child sexual abuse. So he gets up and he says, you know, you know, I've got to go to the Royal Commission and basically it's you know it's the devil's fault kind of thing I I just sat there I felt like you know when you feel like you're in a massive room and you're the only person yes and I'm like yes listening to this because I because I identified so I went okay so my dad's a pedophile your dad's a pedophile but but you're standing up for him and saying that he didn't it was like a, you know, a minor thing that happened. And, and didn't, but I had already started researching and, and um, was looking at, like, keeping up with all the Royal Commission stuff. Just And then that's how it all just kind of went bang at right. once. And that's such an important, important point that you make there because there are so many people who have got parents who have been or are sex offenders and... We don't have different standards for them as human beings because of what their parents did and how hard it was on them in terms of protecting other people. And you make that point so naturally. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, I was just, I think I was in shock. Number one, because he was, you know, a very prominent pastor. Number two, you know, I've been following a lot of their stuff for years and but when he got up there and basically accused H.A., now I get why you're so defensive of your father. I spoke to a few people because I needed clarification for myself. Like I'm not keeping my family in a church where someone is covering up for their father when I've done 
complete opposite, even though it was the hardest thing I've ever done. And my family cut me off and called me all the things. But it was the thing I ever done. So I was confused. And that's why I was like, no, we can't be here. After I read Brett's statement, because I'd done many statements myself, yeah, I was just horrified. I read all the letters, you know, between the pastors and it was just, it was a paper trail of betrayal of a young child. Oh, it's, it's horrific. I, it's just this, it's the worst. That is how it is still today in all churches, in all those types of churches. In the closed systems. Yeah. The irony of it all is that we started going in 2001 and that was apparently when apparently when Brian found out, which I knew in my gut, there is no, as a, because I'm a, a survivor, like there is no way, no way that you did not know. I mean, I can't prove, I couldn't prove that. Mm-hmm. There's no way that you didn't know what you just, on 2001, you just found out. I don't think so. It is all very interesting, isn't it, that matter? Mm. Yeah, I'm like Miss Detective going, I need to make sure that I'm not just, you know, this isn't my story, this is someone else's story, but it just is not adding up. But, I mean, and that's fine. So was this church now an officially a Hillsong church now? Did it have the logo? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, everything was changed. When um, the pastors had left or when did that happen? Yeah, it was like overnight. Hillsong, the front, like, you know, when you walk in, it was all renovated. What do you know about, like, who the ended take- up owning the land and stuff, like the buildings? Did they become? Okay, so we had we had one on that was our main campus and then we had another one which is still there. So both of them became Hillsong pretty much overnight, yeah. But there was a lot of there was a lot of reprimanding and Joel Joel Abel would come and everyone was like, Oh, Joel Abel's coming, you know. It's just weird. Like they're just people. I know. I just didn't I didn't like it because I was like, here's the guy who's like going to court with Brian Houston and Thank what's you. It? Did he come to reprimand you? In a nice way. So then after the the Brian, the big Brian chat about the, you know the satanic attack at the Royal Commission again, how much longer before you were out of there? Because it must have been a pretty big upheaval. So because, Brian, you know, obviously Brian's the head of all of the yeah, right? So we get to see him every so often on, on um, until we got our new pastors that were sent from Hillsong, Sydney. They got a house for them on the beach and so a lot of my friends, like close friends, were like, oh, you've got to meet him. He's a really nice guy. And I'm like, I don't want to meet them. So a close friend of mine brought me over to the lady pastor. The couple were probably really nice, these new pastors, but I was just like, I am not, no, I am done. My friend took me over to meet, like, under duress to, to meet her, and I think I just what I call what disassociated, went to my car and just screamed. I couldn't stop screaming and crying. So I had this massive, like, 
meltdown, I guess. I just had a breakdown. My friends were like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, what's wrong with you? Yeah, look, it makes sense after trauma on trauma and then being faced with another fresh set of the unknown. and Just so visceral, the feeling of like, I cannot believe these people. And so it, I could, I just, I can't remember. It was probably two weeks, three weeks at the most. We just didn't, okay. we just stopped going. We yep. didn't even have like a, we had, we do family meetings. We did not even have it. It was just like a, I don't know. We just didn't go. It was like, we just stopped. And that's when it just, everything started to like people who, you know, were really close to you would just stop talking to you or come visit me. And, I mean, yeah, what was that like, going from all of that and being so involved to nothing? Or did you start another church somewhere else? No. No. We had, you know, really good friends that I just didn't ever charge them for years just because I wanted to do their hair, right? Whole family. Um, We've been friends for over seven years. And all of a sudden, there's no phone calls. Oh, can you come cut our hair? It was like uh, now I look back, like I was like absolutely devastated. But now I look back, I think it's it's the cult, cult mentality. I don't think they do it deliberately to hurt you. Mm, mm. Just, they just keep going. They just keep going on to the next thing with this new pastor and like he's amazing and it's Hillsong and it's awesome and it's, you know, they've got more money to spend on things. And so that was a bit of a, like, we just had to laugh about it because we were like, wow, this is real. How long did you experience the effects of all that for? Like how long does that, and how did the kids I, go with it? And I still am, Tan, I believe. I, I, I believe even... Um, mm-hmm of mine who was she's kind of what I would call like a hippie Christian we were talking about it one day and she said to me Lisa it's it's PTSD like it's church PTSD it's it's real this was different it was hard to because you can't say anything against the church then you're like you know you're bringing down the bride and oh gosh so then I just went hard and I was angry so, yeah, that was it for me. I just was like, I'm not going to shut up. I'll just talk about whatever I want. Yeah, for sure. So where's your faith at at the moment after all of these experiences? I, I already always had. This is a strange thing. When we first we'll go back to the original, I'm 26-year-old girl who's nearly having another breakdown. Pastor comes over and... You know, he's cool, he's a surfer, and he's just a lovely man, like very fatherly. So we clicked instantly, our whole families. And he said to me that night, he said, do you want to give your heart to Jesus? And I looked at him like, what? I don't know what that means. (laughs) What are you talking about? He goes, you know, like give your life over to Jesus. I'm like, I already know who he is. Well, do you want to say the prayer? I'm like, sure, I'll say the prayer. At that point, I was like, just, I just, 
I wanted anything to fix me. But so we'll go back now to now. I probably, I still have that same, I'm, I, for me personally, that's the only thing that's kept me probably not losing my mind. Yeah, beautiful. Not for everybody. Some people completely just like go nuts, stuff you, whatever, and I totally get that too. But I already had my own experience from when I was a little, little girl. Okay. So no take that away from me. That's where the anger came from, I think, where people would say, oh, you know, you're like you backslidden or all those sort of stupid yeah, words. Yeah. And yeah, that's another kind of attack, isn't it? That, you know, you never really knew God or you were never really saved and so you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And so does my husband. He's the same as me. My kids have struggled because they went to a Christian school. But we just talk openly about it, like, because everyone's different. And I'm like, if you don't want to believe in God, then that's up to you. Like, I'm not that kind of a parent. I would never push it on them. Yeah, it's up to them. That's their journey. What would you What would you say to a 26-year-old Lisa who, you know, would met these really nice people and, you know, you got on really well and their church was really nice? Like how, how do people make these kinds of decisions without giving up too much, ending up with PTSD, I guess? It's... Because it doesn't just happen suddenly. It's- it definitely didn't happen suddenly. <laughs> what would I say to her? I feel sad for her because she had a vision that, very naive, even though I, like, I felt like I'd lived two lives before that age, very naive in thinking. I thought in my head a Christian that they were good, all good people. I know. I think that's uncommon. I totally understand. I don't think. I would say to her, just listen to your gut and don't, don't ever, ever let anyone control you again. Yeah, beautiful. Ever. Beautiful. Because you have a good brain and you're a kind person and that's all I ever wanted to just help people. That's all. Thank you. That's okay. Thank you so much. you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment look younger feel like you add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with juvederm voluma xc reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with juvederm volure xc For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.